All right, let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being in your presence. But also, Lord, we thank you that you have given us the, the truth, the word of God, and also the spirit of truth that leads us into all the truth. So now we ask you that uh, we pray for an, uh, a great activity of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, Lord, as we surrender ourselves to you. That's including me as the, as the preacher, Lord. Uh, we surrender to the authority of your word. We ask you that you will, will uh, uh, reveal your truth, Father, because it is the only thing that will change us until Christ is formed in us, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your people. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's uh, go to, uh, we're going to read from Joshua. This time is Joshua chapter 2. Last week we covered chapter 1. This one, just a short passage, but it's a very important passage. So uh, I'd like to re read Joshua chapter 2. This is the conversation between uh, Rahab and the, the spies uh, of Israel's when they were spying out the land. And in Joshua chapter 2, in verse 8, it says, Before the men, this is the, uh, the, the spies who came to Jericho to spy the land. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof. So the story is, they spied out the land. Many of you know the story. And then, uh, and then they were detected by, by the locals, and they were looking for them. And this woman called Rahab, she, she decided to, uh, to give them a hand by hiding them on the rooftop. So before the man lay down, she came up to them on the roof because the, the, the guys, the, the, the local uh, people came to her and said, where, where are the guys? He said, they've gone, but she lied to them. So, uh, and then, uh, so after the, the locals left her house, she went and, and talked to them. And she said, before the man lay down, she came up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land. <laughs> I love that. And that the fear of you has fallen upon us. And that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon, or Sihon, I don't know how to pronounce that, and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, listen to this massive statement from the God, a person who's not part of the covenant, who's a foreigner. For the Lord your God is God in heavens above and on the, on the earth powerful. There are times where God would do things that no one can argue. They just have to say, it has to be God. <laughs> you know, that time will come. It has come in the past, every now and then. 
I began last, last week because I, I believe uh, the, there is a prophetic uh, statement from God. God spoke to me prophetically concerning our church that we are going to into a new season. There's a new era in our church. And uh, so I, I, I felt led as I was preparing myself to uh, go to take the church through the book of Joshua because the book of Joshua, as I said last week, is a book of transition where the children of Israel, they have to move from, from uh, when they left Egypt, they were liberated slaves by the time you know, the, next generation, the next generation came, in the book of Joshua, they were conquering army. Because it takes a conquering army to possess the inheritance, not liberated slaves. And uh, I want to elaborate some of the points that, that, I, that I made last week, two major points. And uh, so, as, as, as I said last week, you know, imagine Joshua leading these, these people, the second generation, after the, the miracles, the signs and wonders, you know, in, 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 the, in the era of Moses, and now he's taking on, it's like, you know, God, what am I going to do? Understanding that the history of Israel is that they, they grumbled, you know, and complained and all those things against Moses. As powerful as Moses was, what am I going to do? <laughs> like, in that midst of the vulnerability, in preparing to take the people into the land, God came to Moses, uh, to Joshua, and said, Moses is dead. I imagine Joshua said, yeah, God, I, God, I know that. And I can imagine God, God sort of said, yeah, I'm trying to make a point here. As fantastic as Moses was, he's dead. You're it. It's like, one of the biggest things about, about, about uh, life, human life in general is letting the past die as good as the past could be, you know? Often, you know, I watch even Christians struggle. I struggle in many, many, many ways. And, uh, and often we, we, as Christians, we, we go in, in our Christian walk from one divine encounter to another. We're hoping for some experience and hoping that that's going to set us free. And, and yet, often, it's just because we just tie to our past. We, have, we haven't left our Moses dead. Just let, just let it die. And I, I have the tendency of being like that because I, by nature, I'm a bit melancholic. So I tend to, it's like, oh, gee, if, if, if it was only like this. And often Christians would say, you know, man, you know, when I got saved, it was fantastic, but now why am I like this? Let me, let me say this. Learning from the life of the, the, the children of Israel, it took one night for God to, got, to get them out of Israel. One night. But it took God 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. One night for Israel to get out of Egypt. But it took 40 years 
for God to get Egypt out of Israel. It is easier to get a man out of a prison. <laughs> it's another thing to get a prison out of a man. It takes one confession in one moment in our life to change our hearts and transfer us from the kingdom to become, from being a citizen of the world to become a citizen of heaven. But it takes a lifetime for us to renew our minds so that we can act and live like a citizen of heaven. <laughs> That's the reality of it. Let's learn from the history of Israel. Israel's story shows that when there is a lack of sense of the future, we will always revert back to our past. Just read Numbers chapter 11. <laughs> Number, Numbers 13, the story of Israel, amongst many stories. Numbers 13, verse 27 when the first generation sent by Moses to spy out the land, the same piece of land, spy out the land. So they came back in verse 27. They said, the land does flow with milk and honey, and here's the fruit. Imagine, it says, a cluster of grape, two men had to carry the branch of a cluster of grape. What sort of grapes do we have here? Must be amazing. So they gave good report. It was a great report. Yeah, we see it. It's a great land. And then you go to verse 28, there is a however there. <laughs> it says, and they said, however the people in the land are powerful, we can't attack them in verse 30, 30, 31. We can't attack the people, that's what they said. They are stronger than we are. Now, here's, here's the point in verse 33, Numbers 13, verse 33. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Did you guys hear that? He said, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Now, here's the thing. All right? In that situation, in chapter 14, verse, verse 1 to 5, say verse 2, they start to not able to move forward and not able to see the promises, to see what God has for them. They start to look, to revert to their past. Listen to what they say. If only we had died in Egypt. <laughs> Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us all fall by the sword? Verse 4, we should choose a leader to go back to Egypt. Every time we lose sight of what God has for us, we will revert back to the, to the past and be bound by the past. It's a scary story. 
is about what they see. Sometimes not what's going on in our heart, it's what's wrong with our heads. <laughs> Somebody, people always say, there's thinking, thinking. <laughs> yeah? So, the idea of, you know, Moses is dead, he's dead, forget it. We're moving on. So that's the point number one. Point number two, to us, for us to move on, therefore, to be able to leave the past, there's a, you know, in, in Joshua chapter one, there's a call for disciplined life. And Joshua chapter one, verse eight, where God says, this book of the law must be in your mouth. You should meditate day and night and to do everything that it says. So what God is saying is, for Israel, it was the law, for you and I, it's the word of God, right? It's the word of God. The word of God has to be so penetrating our hearts that it will affect how we think, what we say, our manner of conversation, and how we talk, and how we behave. So to, to, to become this next generation, to transition to become this conquering army, there's a call for discipline in that generation. Now, I want to highlight some differences between most the generation, first generation to the next generation. The first generation, like I said before, they were liberated slaves, but the next generation, they were the conquering army. In the first generation, when they, both generations had to cross a body of water, the Red Sea and uh, Jordan River. Under Moses, when they crossed the Red Sea, it was when the Red Sea parted, then they walked across the, across the Red Sea. But in the next generation, they had to step into the water, and then the water split. Interesting, hey? There was a different expectation there. Now here's the thing. In the first generation, Moses was the sole miracle worker. They wanted to cross the, the Red Sea. It was Moses' staff that did it. They wanted to, uh, to, to have some meat. It was Moses. <laughs> they wanted to have water. Moses hit the rock. The water came out. That was the generation. But the new generation, it was their submission to the leadership of Joshua that produced victories and miracles. Except for one miracle when the sun stood still. But, like, you know, when they... When, when uh, Jordan River split, it wasn't because Joshua's staff or like Moses in the Red Sea, when a group of people called the priests. It wasn't an individual thing. It was a group of people. And the, the, the unified move of the people that produced the miracles, I believe that's what God's looking for now in this generation. So, let's go back to the passage. I just want to just highlight, focus on a few things here. 
You know, in, in the 80s, when uh, Di and I, 1980s, early 90s, we were being brand new Christian, you know, a year, two year old Christians. We used to listen to the faith preachers from America, and uh, they called the faith movement. And they, they all saying, used to, they used to say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Have you guys heard that statement? God said it, I believe it, that settles it. I want to change that statement. God said it, that settles it, I better believe it. Because God said it, it settles it, whether I believe it or not. God's miracle in the world, what God wants to do, doesn't, doesn't depend on, it's not subject to my level of faith. Now, if I want to be part of that, I better believe it. Here's why. In the passage that we just read, Rahab said, I know that the Lord has given this land to you. Chapter 2, verse 9. And great fear has fallen on us. All who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. <laughs> Did the children of Israel know about that? No, they didn't. You got to understand, the enemy, our enemy, I'm not talking about people, the devil himself, he knows He's losing the battle. So he's trying to bluff his way. Like I said, the greatest weapon for the enemy of the enemy is discouragement for you and I. Not to, his power to kill us, whatever it is, you know, he, he wants to kill us. You know, to me it's like, you want to kill us? Fine, I'll be with Jesus. <laughs> but the greatest thing that he, he wants to do to us is to discourage us. Why? Because he knows he's losing. And here's the thing. Whatever we go through the life and the struggle that we have just, you know, like last week I gave that, that uh, metaphor. It's been determined by the winner. God just wants us to, to, uh, to stay for the 15 rounds. Keep boxing, keep punching. Because he is, he's decided where the winners. <laughs> and the devil knows that. So what he's trying to do is just to bluff us. To bluff his way through. Now I want you to, to listen to verse 10 here. We have heard that the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. Now, when did, the Lord, when, when did God do that to Israel? That was 40 years ago. That was in the previous generation when they left Egypt. That was 40 years ago, over 40 years ago. In other words, you know, news after, after three years, maximum 10 years, like, yeah, whatever, that was, that was done, so, you know, people have forgotten. It was like after 40 years, it was still fresh in the minds of the people of the land. And it still caused them to tremble. Have you ever thought of that story like that? 
after 40 years, that event that God did when they crossed the Red Sea, it's still, they, they're still trembling about it. Now come a new generation 40 years later. They were scared to death. That's why I want to punch this point. God said it. That settles it. I better believe it. So here's the thing. So my conclusion is this. Disciplined mind, by the way, the title of my sermon this morning is having a disciplined mind. <laughs> disciplined mind is not, I'm just going to be tough. No, no, no. I'm going to believe. Just keep on believing. Keep on believing. That's all. I'm just going to keep on believing. Things look so different. I don't, here's the thing. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, we understand by faith, or by faith we understand. Just listen to that statement. By faith we understand. So just that simple statement, I think it's fair to say that it's not understanding that produces faith, but faith that produces understanding. I'll say it again. It's not understanding that produces faith, but faith that produces understanding. And God says, he who comes to God must understand. No, he doesn't say that. He who comes to God must believe. There's a lot of things in the Bible that I don't understand completely. I just believe God. Because this is not about a concept. This is about a person. Some things need to be studied hard. Needs to be, you know, I don't know. You know what? I just decide to believe. That is the disciplined mind that you and I need to have. Why can't we just simply believe? If God says he loves me, he loves me. The world is driven by this, this sense of feelings that, you know, so everybody are so touchy now. The moment you get offended, it's like, you know, really, you get offended by that? Everybody gets touchy. But I believe the call of God for Christians who doesn't matter how you feel, doesn't matter how people offend you, I go, I know whom I have believed. That's what Paul said. First Timothy. And I'm convinced that he will accomplish what he has committed, or I have committed to him. I know whom I have believed. So it's not this some sort of belief system or some philosophy, no, no. It's the person that I have believed. There are moments in my life, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about 10 years ago. I'm talking about those last 12 months, you know, where things happen, I said, I just come, Jesus, if all you go, I've got, if that's all I have, that's it, Lord. It's good enough. You know, we sing that song, Jesus, it is you. That's it. I'll be driving my car. It's like, God, I don't know anything. I don't know what the heck. It's like, 
You're all I have, and that's good enough, Jesus. Because why? I choose to believe. That is the discipline. Why? Because in the believing, I surrender my limited understanding. This little sort of capacity of a brain of mine to this massive God that I have. Somehow, often we have to be careful that in the teaching of, in the teaching of faith, and when people talk about faith, somehow we have to have this massive faith to this some sort of God, you know. But actually the reality is, that, no, 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 Jesus said, I just need a little faith in this massive God. Not massive faith in whatever decisible God. No, it doesn't work like that. Just a little faith in this massive God, immeasurable God. That's all I need. For for the children of Israel in that generation, they were defined by their past. They saw themselves as slaves. You and I, people say that, you know, your past formed you. No, no, no. Any believer, whatever you want to call yourself, the Bible says you are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I don't care what people think, who they are, my family background, you know, I am where I am, what I, where I am now. No, no, no. I, I have decided that I am a new creation. But here's the good, good news about, about my identity. It's not only, it's not, not only uh, my identity is not only formed by or, or defined by historical acts of Jesus, but also by my future. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he said, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth, which is the past, because of what he did, into a, listen to this, he's given us a new birth. I got saved in 1979, April 1979. So that's when I was given a new birth. But here's the thing. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. If you inherit a kingdom, you're a prince. In other words, your life is defined by that. Here we are. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded, now listen to this, by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So my thing is, not only... I'm a new creation, not just a historical event that Jesus did for me, but 
by my future, you and I. We are defined by what God has for us already. That's crazy, huh? That's first Peter. And Paul describes all this in Ephesians chapter one. In verse 13, he said, concerning the, the people of God, he said, In him, you, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promise, Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of your inheritance. So it's not only that it's a promise that is to come, but it's, there's a guarantee. Why? How did God do it? By putting the Holy Spirit inside of us. Oh my goodness. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. And because of that, that here, okay, let's, let's, let's read. Because of that truth, Paul said in verse 18, and because of that, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know. You see? Everything is done for us, it's just, we just don't see it. So Paul prayed that the eyes of our hearts will be enlightened. My prayer for me, every day, and even today, God, enlighten my heart that I may see who I really am in you. And when I see it, now here's the thing, even if I don't see it clearly, I just believe it. But open my, the eyes of my heart. So my prayer today, that the Holy Spirit will open something in us to go to a new level. We're not people bound by how we feel or what people say about us, but people who are disciplined in deciding, I'm just going to believe it. It doesn't look like it, but I'm going to believe it. Can I have the measles, please? Jesus said it. That's it. God said it. That settles it. I better believe it. Let's all stand up. I'd like to sing that song, Jesus, it is you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, some of us might feel like, man, it's taking me a long time. Listen, all of us, many, you know, we're all different. For some of us, it might take us longer than others. It doesn't matter. Just keep on walking and keep on believing. Like, Jesus, yeah, there will be moments in your life where all you know is like, oh, Jesus, I'm just hanging on to you. Great. <laughs> it's the, the best thing for you, for you just to pray. It's like, Jesus, that's you, you're all I've got because he's all we need. 
let's sing the song. Let's sing it and make a declaration. Jesus, it is you, Jesus. Jesus, it is you. Thank you, Lord.